Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, Paige DeMacos from the Draft Network and the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Here to let you know this week's podcasts are brought to you by our friends over at mybookie.ag. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on sports, boasting one of the largest online selections of odds on the greatest sport on the planet, the NFL, with hundreds of bets to take advantage of, from season kickoff to Super Bowl weekend to the NFL draft. MyBookie has it all year long. This week only, we are running a special for all of our Draft Network fans. MyBookie is doing a 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Deposit $2,000, get $1,000 in extra cash to wager. Be sure to use promo code DRAFTNETWORK to score this deal. Again, use code DRAFTNETWORK and be sure to listen to our favorite value picks this week on the TDN Fantasy Podcast. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Fantasy Podcast. With your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. It is draft week, people. Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, <laughs> Paige Jamakos here. It is officially, it is officially here. Uh, feels like the month of March lasted seven years. And we have finally arrived, and the first couple of weeks of April lasted even longer than March did. And we finally arrived at the draft. And nothing changed, right? They did everybody tons of speculation about whether or not this was going to actually go through with it. Uh, there has been little, um, <laughs> you know, inclinations that things are not going perfect. Uh, that's to be expected, right? There's technology, there's change. People are going to have to be patient. This is going to be a different experience than we've had in quite some time. This is definitely not going to be the Bellagio and the fountains that we were expecting, right? So I think mostly people should just be happy that we have this, that it's happening, that there is something to consume and watch that is going to be new and fresh. And seeing as we're coming off of watching all of social media lose their collective minds during the last dance that was played last night on Sunday night, that although we know the outcome of that, it still was like watching a live sporting event with all my friends. I'm only going to give us two a week. Can I get on a rant right now? (laughs) Yes, rant. Dude, it was so good. I'm going to give us two a week. I know. I get it. But my God, like I saw so many NBA superstars so many of which are don't even really know Jordans are so young to be like, they're not my age. Like my generation of 38 to 45, like literally grew up living this story from the beginning, but like two wasn't enough. Everybody I know would have been up till 6am watching the whole thing oh, or yeah. whatever it was, but it was so good. I can't wait. It, it, it was, it was incredible. And shout out to ESPN for producing just one of the things that you can criticize them for certain things. One of the things that they do best is their documentaries. They're 30 for thirties. They're docu-series. They, this stuff. And thank is you for giving us the unfiltered version. You can yes. go to ESPN too, if you want to thank get the bleeps, you. but there's just something about having the real words. It's Maybe just, that's just me and my family and how we no, roll. Like no. There's more of an oomph when you get the real thing. There's something yes. yeah. with a scotch and a cigar and the F Thank word, you. like it's just not the same if it's bleeped. No, it's not the same. And there's, there's something right about watching Michael just sit there with scotch and just look at you and just give you the F word. And I'm like, yeah, do you know what? Mike? Go with your bad self. Like I want to hear it all unfiltered. And I also wanted to hear him 
MFing his teammates. Like I want to, I don't want to hear the unfiltered. The, I want to hear it exactly as it happened. And the memes and the gifts and the moments that we got last night, knowing that the Rodman episode is coming next, I can only imagine what episode three is going to gift us. It is going to be incredible. Yeah, the whole thing was awesome. Access to Jordan like that to hear that you didn't really get in his words later on, casual, relaxed, telling us it was just awesome. Yeah. Like 10 and, parts of this, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. And it got me really excited and hyped up for the draft because I saw for the first time in what seems like forever, but it's been at least six weeks, social media collectively hitting the pause button and just being totally dialed in to something in sports. And I think it was awesome because this is something that we were watching for the first time, but we know how it ends. The draft is something we're going to watch and we don't know anything. We don't know anything that's going to happen. It's all brand new. It's all fresh. And I think, I think social media consumption and everything is just going to be at an all time high while we're watching all this. I think it's going to be really, really fun. That being said, there are a piece, a couple pieces of news, right. That we'd like to get into. And then we're going to look at the NFC team totals heading into the draft um, from my bookie. So we're going to look at those, look at what we like and don't like now, and then see how much change happens between now and a week from now when we're post the draft um, with these teams. First one, we're going to piece of news. We're going to start off with Leonard Fournette. Uh, if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that we have questioned his manhood, his uh, ability to play, his commitment, you know, work commitment, ethic. work ethic. We have really been pretty harsh on, uh, and deservedly so, on Leonard Fournette. Um, and so I'm going to let Jake take this one first because there is potential for a trade here with Leonard Fournette. And listen, this wouldn't surprise me at all because I think the Jaguars have collectively decided it is time to move on from what we had and move forward with new, fresh guys, new, fresh teams. So, Jake, is there a, a scenario or a team specifically that you look at and go, yeah, that would be a good fit for Leonard Fournette? Probably a couple. First of all, they have to move him, right? I mean, this goes to they're going to get nothing back because he's leaving a free agency next year. He wants to get paid. So if they get a fourth or a fifth, I think they're happy. I think right now they're trying to get probably a late second, third, which they're not going to get. They end up getting a fourth and a fifth or a fourth and a sixth or just a fourth or fifth. I think they're probably going to end up doing it. They still got Ngakwe, which they're probably going to get a high pick for, which we'll talk about as well. Um, Fit-wise, it's going to be interesting because Kansas City pops into mind immediately, but they can't pay him. So it's basically a one-year thing, and I don't know that he fits their locker room. I mean, you're hearing all these stories about him falling asleep in meetings, and they got to wake him up in offensive meetings and team meetings, and he's chronically late. That's not flying on the Super Bowl-winning champ team. That's that you know that much leadership from Andy Reid and Mahomes. I, I just can't fathom that's the case. I can see the LA Rams being a destination. Uh, I can see it being a one-year destination. They don't even re-sign him. They need something for this year. Makes sense. Um, and they've got some later-round stuff. I and mean, he fits a lot of places, but he kind of doesn't. When everybody knows his locker room issue, they question his work ethic, they question his heart, they question how much he cares, and that doesn't really fit a lot of places. So while I think somebody will give him a fourth or a fifth on draft day, and it's an, it fits the narrative of another guy being traded for draft capital, um, but I don't know that he's going to go anywhere and get the deal, right? I think it's going to be a one-year prove it. I think he probably wants it that way. Even if they, they're going to get rid of him to get anything they can back, he wants to go somewhere and play for a year and then be a free agent. 
and hope that he stays healthy for two straight years. He stayed healthy last year. He was third in the NFL in touches. It wasn't uber productive, but they sucked. So I, such, it's such a weird dichotomy because he's such a talented guy, but he has so much baggage, and he played this thing wrong from everything past that phenomenal rookie year. The, the talents have fit so many places, but like you said, Jake, the auxiliary stuff isn't. And the other wrinkle that this throws into – there are a couple of wrinkles here. One, the decision about whether or not to pick up a fifth-year option is going to hinge now a lot on it being fully guaranteed. And now you're dealing with an injury-prone running back. Do you really want to pick up a fifth-year option that's fully guaranteed given all the, the other issues, the, the attitude issues, plus the injury issues? Uh, that's going to be a factor. The other factor is if you're a team right now, do you really want to spend – let's say a third or a fourth round pick and $8 million of your cap on Fournette, or do you want to take Cam Akers or Zach Moss or spend a second round pick on Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards Hilaire, all different styles of running backs. But yeah. the point is you, you could take, you can get four years of control at a very low number on a running back with less, with less carries on his legs and on his body at a far lower price. And you're really only basically trading a round and a half to do it. And I, that's why I don't see, Kansas City, for example, doing that, just take one on day two. Like, I, I you, you Damian Williams is, they don't have the cap yeah. space, right? Like, we know they but don't. Even have if they them. did, like, I don't so see the, them. To play devil's advocate, you get Leonard Fournette on his best behavior, motivated. But if you're the team and you give up a fourth or a fifth, you almost have to give him a two or three year deal and restructure that because it can't yeah. be an $8 million hit next year. It can't be a no. one year deal for $8 million and then you lose him. So they almost have to do a sign and trade that he agrees to, but I don't think he wants to do that, which puts him in a really funky spot, but Jacksonville's yeah. going to take whatever they can get. They want to move on. I can't imagine him coming back. So play the devil's advocate. If you get it and you got a motivated on his best behavior guy, but he wants to do it to become a free agent. I don't know who's taking that $8 million hit. I mean, the teams yeah. that can afford it don't need running backs and they don't need that headache. Indianapolis is one of them, but they're not, they're not doing that. Yeah, like right now, the top three, there, there's one odds maker that, that set kind of odds on it, which again, I would, when you have odds on these types of things, I take it with a tremendous grain of salt. But the top three teams were Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit. Um, so again, all teams, I mean, Buffalo seems to be in the market for, for a back, uh, which I think is very interesting for, we'll talk about this more after the draft to see what they do, but very interesting for the long term of Devin Singletary because they yeah. seem to be very much in on getting another running back right away. He's such a good uh, pass catcher and was so dynamic in so many different ways, but I don't yeah. think they think he carries the load for 16 games and then into the playoffs like they would expect. Yeah. That makes sense. De Detroit, they I need one. They, they need a running back. Kind of like. Yeah. And Miami has the cap space, but they just signed Jordan Howard, who's not a locker room. Yeah. He's a perfect locker room guy, and they're probably going to draft one. Yeah, Detroit. I kind of like. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, and look, I think they, they need to, that. But no, but oh well. Look, they need to add a compliment to carry on Johnson, who has proven he, he. Again, you have two backs that are injury prone in that case, but yeah. you hope they're just not injured at the same time. Uh, and the workload concerns there are a lot different. Detroit then doesn't have to waste a uh, waste is the wrong term, but they don't have to. They have a lot of other needs. They don't need to spend a day two pick on a running back if they make this move. So even if it's only a one or two year thing for them saying, you know what, we'd rather give up a fifth and get a year or two of, of Leonard Fournette and maybe figure out how to make the contract work, than spend uh, a second round pick on a running back when we really have other pressing needs. So I could see that happening, but we'll see this, this might, they might not be able to get this done on draft day. It might not be as easy for them to, to do this as I think people Good are point. thinking. And Doc yeah, will get done, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Buffalo is so young. I can't imagine them yeah. bringing a locker room issue guy into a young team. It seems to be molding pretty well. 
Yeah, it's he's one of those guys. The talent has never he's never really lived up to what we've seen, right? And and unfortunately for him, all of his issues have been pretty well documented, right? There's been a lot of this a lot of the conversation around him has been pretty front facing. People know there's a lot of knowledge about this. So this isn't some under the radar problem that people don't know about. This is pretty out in the open. And I, I think Detroit makes a lot of sense. That's probably, that's probably the best option. Right. And, and I think they, they have had issues with their running game forever. Like it has, I don't remember the last time it's been a long time since they've been able to cement themselves because they have had some issues and carry on Johnson, I think is great, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So we'll see if they can see if they can get this done. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, you mentioned it, Jake, so we'll just talk about it. Ngakwe has been a topic of conversation for a long time. And this isn't particularly about um, <laughs> what actually is going to happen from a trade perspective, but more so a unique scenario that is playing out on social media, right? And, and Jamie, I want to talk to you talk to you about this first, and then Jake will can offer unique perspectives seeing as He's been in, in, in a locker room. He's been obviously with your dad for a long time. You understand the dynamics of ownership and coaches and players and, and everything. But Jamie, shed some light here on how interesting it is to see player and owner battling it out in the open on social media. Because, you know, you see player tweeting about team quite often. The ownership and player going at it in a public forum is pretty different than what we are used to. Yeah, and and again, it, it's it's note that it's Tony Khan uh, that yes. is having this this back and forth back and forth that Indakwe started uh, with him. That's yes. not his dad, Shad, but or Shad Khan. But you know, it, it's interesting because I think Indakwe is at the point where he's just trying to do anything he can to force his way out as quickly as possible, and, and maybe in his mind is. You know, if, if I'm fighting with the, with the owner's son and the head analytics guy, and I just make this, the, the more uncomfortable I make them, the quicker they'll trade me. Um, but as a few people have pointed out on Twitter, it, it's complicated, especially since I don't think Bill O'Brien's going to be involved in it, in the sense that you have, you're not giving up Ndokwe for nothing. You're not giving up Ndokwe for day three picks. But Ndokwe's not, but you know, if you're acquiring Ndokwe, you're going to have to sign him to a big deal. So trying to navigate that water of you have a player that's saying, well, I want out, so it's hurting your leverage, but you can't let him go for nothing. But the team that's getting him, even if they might not want to pay full value in draft capital because they're going to have to pay more than full value in actual capital. So it creates all of these dynamics that are just makes this very difficult to happen. We've talked about this with uh, Matthew Judon trade, potential trade as well. It, it makes things very difficult to accomplish, but you know, as far as the, the back and forth, look, if the, I think everybody involved at this point wants to move on. I don't, I don't think there needs to be any more motivation from either side to get a deal done. It's just, this isn't going to help those other logistics get done any quicker. But uh, I do think we're going to start to see, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, this becoming the norm. You're not fighting through the media anymore. You're fighting through social media. Yeah, I mean, look, most owners don't have social media. So to see one out there doing this stuff, like I can see Jim Irsay doing this. Yeah. He's a little out there and doesn't really care. Um, Shad Khan, probably a little classy to be out on social media, but he doesn't really care either and doesn't really give a damn what you think. Most owners are more lurking in the shadows, getting big business deals done. They don't care about this stuff. That's interesting times we're living in. Everybody's sitting around with nothing to do, including big murky in the shadows owners that are doing monster deals. They've even got a little extra time on their hands. That part of it's weird. I mean, look, if you're a player 
for the Jaguars, you think this is possible because Jalen Ramsey just did it. Not everybody's Jalen Ramsey, uh, and Ngakwe is not. He's 25. He's had eight sacks, what, three years in a row. That doesn't put him in $14, $15 million a year category, which is the numbers I'm hearing that, that, that they want. If you look at JPP's numbers, he's an older player, but he had more sacks and less games. So I think he's probably that $12, $13 million range. You could do what the Chiefs did last year with a sign and trade with D Ford, what San Francisco just did with Indy with Eric Armstead. Uh, it could get done, but as Jamie said, it, d- it definitely makes it more complicated. Uh, but all the stuff going on right now is just weird. I mean, to have a player and ownership, whether it's the Sun or not, it going at it on Twitter. Yeah, it's strange. It, maybe it will become the norm. I don't know. Maybe I'm old, but I just can't imagine. Like, Twitter is a cesspool of crap. <laughs> For an owner to care what the hell anybody on Twitter gives a shit uh, what Ngakwe says, trust me, it I blows me away because most of them. Don't give a damn. And by the way, the owner wins every single time. Like, there's no way the player wins here. If they yeah. trade you, cool. Ownership wins. They got something back, and they got what they wanted. In Jalen Ramsey's case, they got two first-round picks, and yeah. they moved a locker room problem. In this case, you're under the contract. If you don't show up, they can find you. In the new CBA, the new fine laws are going to be a lot more enforceable yeah. than they used to be for guys that want to hold out. They wanted The ownership wanted to kill a little bit of that. So you're going to have to play on it. They got you. You signed it. You're, they've got you locked in. So you keep doing this, but ownership's going to win either way. Uh, I don't know who his, who his representation is, but I'd, I'd maybe think of a different strategy. But he's going to get moved by Thursday anyway. It's just a matter of what the Jacksonville Jaguars get back. Yeah, I always this – is, this goes back to – and the Draft Network team can tell you this because I have many a conversations. I had these conversations in all my previous jobs as well. When you think about tweeting stuff – you think about the pros and cons, right? Yeah, Jamie, don't. Like you and Jamie and I have had this conversation back at FanRag many times, right? You're thinking about something that you want to say, and your drafts should have a lot of tweets in them. You should just type it out and save it in your drafts. Or have a note that you want to type whatever the hell you want to type out and just save it. Because at the end of the day, Ngakwe doesn't do himself any justice by this he is not making himself look good every other owner doesn't like this behavior every other head coach doesn't like this behavior every other gm is looking and going i don't like this behavior this is not adding value to him at all and at the end of the day if you're a player and better yet if you're the representative for said player this is where i would step in and go this is not helping you period And that's all that matters because if your end goal is to get paid as much as possible and be in a better situation, which is what I assume Ngakwe wants, this is not helping. It is making it worse because you want the conversation to stop where I said it. He's 25. He's had eight sacks three years in a row. He's an up and coming player. He's very super athletic. He's learning the game. You want the conversation to stop there. Exactly. Let everybody that wants to trade call you about that and move on. And they are going to give you a contract based off of those numbers and you're going to get paid. You don't want it to become them calling your representation saying, well, is he a locker room guy? Is he, what, what is all this? Like, explain this to me. Who is he? Because I don't want another selfish guy coming in that I'm about to give a four or five year deal to. You don't want the conversation to get to that point. You want it to stop at, he's about to be 25 or he is 25. He's young. He's had three straight years of eight plus sacks. He's athletic. He fits a lot of systems. Let it end there. You don't yeah. want to get into all this other stuff because when you're talking about the length of this contract and getting a new one, now you're diminishing the return of the 25 and the eight plus sacks. Yeah. No, it, it just, it doesn't. 
every situation is pros and cons, and there are no pros here for him. They're all cons. He's not doing himself. There are zero positive things that are going to happen. He for, thinks they're pros because he thinks he's, this is what he, how he's going to get out of Jacksonville. You're going to get it's, out because they want to move you. Yeah, it, it's actually <laughs> they don't want to move him. They want to they want to resign him to a long term deal yeah. and have him as, as part of the, the deal. But they're fine with moving anybody at this point. Yeah, it's they've just, proven that. Yeah, that's exactly right. They've they've moved a plenty of people out, and there are much better ways to do this. So it's just a cautionary tale to some of the players because this is not the not necessarily the right way to get what you want accomplished. And if you, you got to play in the middle of last season when these guys started doing this to get traded, it's going to end up biting them in the ass. Yeah, you got to you got to play the game, man. It's the long term. You you're trying you're trying to win. You're trying to make money. I'm for you. I am pro the player getting their money. I have said Always. that a million times. But you got to – this is a lot – you're playing the long game. You can't be so short-sighted. You can't be thinking about what's instant gratification right now. This is the long game. You're trying to make as much money in this window of time where you're spectacular. Lean on the people that know what the hell they're doing. And if they don't know what the hell they're doing, find somebody who does. There are plenty of great agents out there. Move on. I know some of them. Feel free to reach out. I'll point you in their direction to make sure that you get you get a good contract because uh, as was decided. Don't get a Scotty Pippen contract. Do not get a Scotty Pippen contract. That is correct. That is a lesson. <sighs> Although he ended up being, I, I think he made over $100 million, so he did okay long long term, which his ex-wife pointed, pointed out to us on social media so eloquently today. <laughs> um Last thing we're going to get uh, talk about before we move into the NFC team totals is just kind of the Niners as a whole, because there's been a couple of different rumblings about them for the draft. So some conversation about them inquiring about Evan Ingram, which I think would be very interesting. Um, and then obviously the discussion around Quan Alexander and they're like, there's just a lot of, a lot of conversation coming out of San Francisco, right? Could be smoke screens, could be they're thinking about moving one guy, Whatever. I think Jake brought it up last week. There, there seems like it, this is going to align for a lot of players to be moved in the next couple of days, potentially, right? Um, so, Jake, Quan Alexander, Evan Ingram, some of these things, you see any of these potential deals materializing? D Ford makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, they gave him that huge contract traded with Kansas City. If they could get something decent back, which they should, uh, for that he only played on third down and we've talked about how great that defensive line was all year you've got Nick Bosa who's a better player that plays all three downs on the other side that one would make sense if somebody wants to jump in there and give him something uh, we know John Lynch I talked about the other day he's got no problem being ballsy and making moves like I love the fact that he's willing to do that now you threw out Jimmy Ward's name I heard not you but the, the Niners have thrown out there's like four names that they've thrown out there um I could see him moving one. I can't imagine him moving a couple more pieces off that defense. Quan Alexander would be interesting, but that's a huge number that they, that they gave him, and they must like the guys that filled in for him last year. So that one would be interesting as well. Uh, the Evan Ingram thing would be kind of cool, but a little bit weird because Kittle is a dog. He's a straight-up tight end, but he's so good receiving. They move him all over the place. He's so good to run after the catch. And Evan Ingram can't stay healthy. I don't really know where he plays or what he would fit. Are you want to go two tight end sets and he plays in the slot as a big slot guy that ran four, three coming out that probably can't do it anymore. Uh, I don't know. That would, I don't, some of that sounds like smokescreen to me. I don't know that that one makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, that one that one doesn't make much sense. Again, it, it's it's fun. It's a fun thought exercise to think how you can use the, both those guys on the field at the same time. But it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Again, you're at the point where you're going to be thinking about you know re-signing in a new deal, and I I just, I just don't think that makes a ton of sense there. You also heard them connected to maybe moving a guy like Marquise Goodwin, uh, especially if they draft a wide receiver with one of their first round picks. You're, you're going to have a glut of receivers in that room. You're going to maybe be able to move one of those guys uh, on day three of the draft, but. I, I, to me, I, I see them kind of staying, staying pat for the most part. Uh, I, I don't see an obvious fit right now. It would be interesting to see if they end up moving some of these guys, but I'm not sure the guys they want to move are at numbers that are very movable. And the other guys are either just like, you know, the, the, they can move them on day three and they're just not going to be monumental deals. Yeah, they can yeah. even move them in June on some of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, don't want to move, as Jake said, don't want to move too many pieces off of that defense. I know they floated out quite a few names. You want to be careful before you're turning over what was a number one excellent defense last year. when your quarterback is already signed and you still have great cap situations and mm -hmm. all those monster guys on defense are at decent numbers, like yeah. there's no point in moving a lot of that stuff. Like no. if you're Kansas City and you know Patrick's coming up and you're going to have to do something. Different story. They've already got their guys all locked up. And Jimmy G's contract, while it was high at the time, is very team-friendly at this point. So mm -hmm. we'll see. I, I think it's more Lynch saying, hey, I'm, ready. I'm willing to play ball. Who wants to give what? Yeah, that's, it seems, seems pretty characteristic of him and what his draft style has been thus far is, hey, let's, uh, let's put some feelers out there and see what we can get, right? I, I, I'm ready to mix it up. I think that's made what San Francisco has done thus far very interesting. All right, NFC win totals pre-draft, right? That's where we are. These coming uh, directly from mybookie.ag. So if you want to check out those lines, um, be sure to check that out. We are going to go through them now, and then we will look at them post-draft, right? So really looking for stuff that we like now, but then also looking for how much this changes in a week or two weeks post the draft. What are, the, what are some of the teams you see move now um, or in a week after the draft that really, really have good drafts um, in, in the next couple of days? So the first team here, Arizona Cardinal, their over-under is seven and a half. Uh, Jamie, I'll go to you first. Do you think the Cardinals, as we stand right now, could win eight games? So I, I went through all of these today and, you know, preliminary look through all of them because a lot's going to change between now and Thursday or now and Saturday, I should say, uh, when they get done. But my initial callback was to eight wins uh, that I th think they could push. They could flirt with that 500 mark. Still have a lot of, as we talked about in our NFC West show, we still have a lot of concerns about the defensive side of the ball. They have a few key playmakers, Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones, but there are a lot of uh, below replacement level starters that are elsewhere on the field that they're going to have to deal with, but they're going to be an exciting team. Uh, they're going to be, have a much better grasp of the offense. I expect progression from Kyler Murray in year two in general, but specifically because he's getting DeAndre Hopkins as well. Fitz is still there. Christian Kirk is still there. Uh, Kenyon Drake's going to be there for a full season. Chase Edmonds is, is a pretty solid backup. Uh, and I expect them to take a tackle to help keep him, uh, keep Kyle Murray upright uh, in the draft. So I do think they can flirt with eight wins. It's a tough division. Uh, and that's going to be, it's going to be tough for them to do, to even be three and three in that division. It's going to be difficult for them. Not, not impossible, but uh, I think they're flirting right around 500. So I like that number. Uh, I would take the over right now at minus one, uh, what is it? At minus 120 minus on the 20. over of seven and a half. So uh, I would take that right now, but I think it's, it's pretty close. If you had asked me today on Monday, I'd say under. If I knew on Thursday they were going to take Jedrick Wills or one of these Tristan Wirfs, one of these guys at right tackle, I'd say over because I have him at eight and eight. 
So in, in this is not a lot of these are going to change draft pick wise. I mean, the number will, I don't think draft picks make that much of a difference for win totals, but I think this one could, if they get a right tackle, that's a legit right tackle that plays all 16 games to go along with DJ Humphreys on that other side. I like it enough to put them at the over. Okay. Over. I think that uh, the Cardinals, at least we talked about them in our NFC web show. If you want to hear that, go back and look at this and, and listen to that. But we some excitement in the Valley, uh, especially after in fact, just an absolutely magnificent trade. Uh, the trade of the decade, getting DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons also sitting at seven and a half wins. Jake, I'll go to you first. Thoughts on that and whether or not they'll be over under. I'm going to take the under. And I don't think the draft matters for them on this one. I'm going to have them more at six or seven. I think they're capping out about seven. They have the potential offensively to do that, but that defense is in shambles. If they have any offensive injuries, uh, I just, that division is going to be brutal. And Jamie talked about their road schedule is insane. Uh, so I'm going to take the under on that for the Falcons. Yep. That's one of my big plays. I like the under here as well. I'm going to read you the road schedule again. Oh, at yeah. Tampa Bay, at New Orleans, at Minnesota, at the Chargers, at the Chiefs, at the Packers, at the Cowboys, at Carolina. I mean, I, 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 they legitimately could they're, – they're not going to be favored in seven of those eight games. They could literally go one and seven in those games. I still think they'll have a winning home record, but that's not going to be enough uh, to get to eight wins. I just – I can't – barring something completely unforeseen. And if they're going to be this aggressive at the draft that we hear – I do wonder if that aggressiveness and that trade-up is going to involve Julio Jones at all. Uh, I don't know if this is a team that's going to be giving up multiple years down the road capital. If they're going to move into – because a lot of talks, like they're trying to move up into like eight with Arizona yeah. team we talked about uh, to grab a defensive player. I, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to be trading Julio Jones to Arizona, but like they're, I don't know what they're doing. So either they're giving up a lot of future capital if they make a move like that, or they're giving up somebody off their roster. Yeah. So, and if they give a Julio Jones off this roster, they might get a, a damn good defensive player that's going to help them two, three years from now, but it's not going to help their win total this year. Yeah, this team is in a weird position because you've got a window here with Matt Ryan, and it kind of feels like they're trying to figure out what they're going to do in the draft. Are they reloading, retooling? Uh, you take Julio Jones off this team, this team's definitely not winning eight games. Um, I just, I can't. At that road schedule that Jamie went to there that we talked about in our NFC South show is horrendous. That is a absolutely horrible. And that, that comes off the fact that, you know, this Atlanta team already struggles when they go on the road because they're so used to playing in the dome. And then you're talking about the environments, Green Bay and Kansas cities. I mean, it's, it's just a, it is a very, very tough, uh, tough road schedule for them. Uh, keeping it in the NFC South, the Carolina Panthers, whose win total is six and a half. Seems a little high for me, but uh, Jamie, I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts? High for me too. I'm taking the under. I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains. They too have a brutal road schedule. I mean, they have at Atlanta and at Washington, which helps a little bit, but otherwise they're going to Tampa Bay and New Orleans. They're going to Minnesota. They're going to the Chargers, going to Green Bay, going to Kansas City. It's a lot to ask of this team. It's a lot to ask of a completely depleted defensive unit right now. Uh, I, I don't see a way that this is a team that we're going to be talking about being any sorts of competitive in year one. So maybe they get some stuff long-term, but I think this is a team that's going to be right around that four-ish win mark this year. Yeah, I mean, I like a little bit of what they did offensively through free agency in this offseason so far, but their offensive line got worse. Their defense is decimated. You lost your entire defensive line, your Pro Bowl superstar middle linebacker, your starting best corner. Like, you can't replace – I don't care what they do in the draft. You're not 
replacing all of those defensive guys. And if they're all rookies, who cares? Yeah, I'm definitely taking under on this one as well. I can't imagine. And, and Ron Rivera's not there. I mean, I don't know what Matt Rule's yeah. going to do in the NFL. you got a whole new staff. Like, yeah. if this was Rivera, I'd say, oh, six and a half. That's, he never loses more than that. That would be tough, but I'm, I'm taking under. Yeah, it's a, it's a different time with Matt Rule. And listen, it could be great, but it could also be uh, – there's a better than, better than 50% chance that it's not as good as Ron Rivera. I'm not going to knock it till it's about three years in to yeah. their vision of what they want to do. For but sure. in year one, they lost everybody off that defense. Of course. Everybody. Both pass yeah. rushers, both defensive tackles, your middle linebacker, your best corner, your starting safety. It's a lot. And your head coach. Yes, guys, at all three levels. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's yeah. in a whole new scheme, whole new – I mean, everything. Yeah, it's just a lot. Yeah, and the reality is, too, is – and I like some pieces they have on offense. Obviously, we all love McCaffrey, DJ Moore. I mean, some of the other pieces they added there, but – I like and, Trey and Turner, I like too, t- and he's gone. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I like Teddy Bridgewater, too, but he's the fourth-best quarterback in the division. I mean, so, again, they're just their yeah. ceiling right now is only so high. And by the way, that's fine. I know this is not a team built to compete this year, but I, I think getting to seven wins would be crazy to me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, moving on. Chicago Bears win total, same as they ended last year, eight wins. Uh, this team was eight and eight last year. Jake, your thoughts here first uh, over under. God. Um, I mean, the defense alone makes you want to say they're going to go eight and eight, but they're going to have a quarterback controversy. But if either one of them play decent with that running game, if they get some offensive – I mean, this is another one. I think they get some offensive line help. The draft could help. Uh, I'm going to take the over slightly. Jamie? Yeah, I'm pushing on this one. I have, I have them going 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, You know, their schedule is interesting. They have some winnable games. Uh, they have, Obviously, the Detroit games are winnable but not easy. The game – they have Houston at home, um, Detroit at home at Carolina – uh, I think Atlanta's winnable, uh, but it's to me, I think I, I wouldn't bet on this one because uh, I think it's minus 115 both ways, and I have them right around that seven or eight wins. Um, but again, a lot of it's going to depend on what they get. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to get out of the quarterback position this year. No idea. Uh, I, was will, I was willing to hope that you got some of the flashes you saw in the back half of the season of Mitchell Trubisky, but given, as Jake has pointed out multiple times on the show, given the trade and the financial hurdles that you jump through to get Nick Foles, he's going to have to either get hurt or just be abysmal leading into the season for him not to be the starter. And I just have no faith in him whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I think the team probably ends up being about where they were last year. They were eight, eight last that offensive year. line too. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's absolutely. The, the long gone you throw that in with, with whatever quarterback play you're going to get with Kyle long gone. I mean, I don't know how you're going to play some of these guys through yeah. the draft at, at this point. Ryan, yeah, yeah. lean towards the over because I have enough faith in that damn defense. Yeah, you told and, me they were going to run it 35 times a game and mm-hmm. never turn it over from the quarterback position. They're going to win a bunch of games 12 9. Yeah, and I'd, I'd take the over, but I'm, I'm only taking it slightly because yeah. I didn't want to say I didn't want to say push. I'll set on this one, I'll, I'll go under. I'll okay. go seven and nine. Right. One, one under, one over. We'll see. Ryan Pace has a pretty good history of his later draft rounds, so I think it'll be good to see what he's able to do. Um, it's the, it's the, you know, the first three picks that he has a struggle with. So we'll see uh, as we as we move on. Dallas Cowboys over under nine and a half. Everybody loves those Cowboys. Loves get loves get, getting on, in on the action on the Cowboys. Uh, Jake, I'll let you go first here. Your thoughts over under? I'll take a slight over. I think I think they've got 10 wins in them. I think Philly still wins the division. I think Philly's a little bit better. But they should be really solid. Now, it all goes back to my theory of, do these linebackers stay healthy or do those linebackers get hurt? Because if, if Van Der Esch goes out and Sean Lee can't stay healthy, 
they got no chance winning 10 games. That that because now the secondary is going to get exposed big time. You can run it on them. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to take a barely over at 10 and six. Yeah, that's why I'm as well. Uh, 10 wins for them, barely over. Uh, heavy juice to the over at minus 130 here. Uh, again, this is not one I would bet uh, because just the, the – as we talked about on the NFC East show, the level of variance between the Dallas Cowboys, his potential record, is, is, could be massive. Uh, and this is a team that just knows and loves to underperform. Uh, but I, I like Mike McCarthy. I like the piece of that back, assuming that there is – not some tremendous DAC controversy heading into the season, which is still to be determined. Uh, I, they, they should have enough to be able to squeak by and get to double-digit wins. All right, moving on to the Detroit Lions. Six and a half, their win total in Vegas right now. Jamie, you first here. Detroit's been a team that has struggled, uh, obviously picking in the top three this year. What are your thoughts on what Detroit can do this season? Yeah, I think for like the 18th consecutive season, I'm going to pick the under. Um, I just, I've always been lower on Detroit than maybe they deserve. Uh, I don't uh, look, I love Matthew Stafford, but I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy. Uh, those back injuries don't just seem to go away. Uh, and they have proven that when he is not on the field, they are just very non-competitive. Um, their, their running backs can't stay healthy. Uh, that, that defense, I like the addition of Tufant, but they're still, still, they're still worse, a little bit worse on the, in the secondary. I love the additions that they made. Uh, in the linebacking core, I just, it's a tough division. I just can't see, I, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be one of those teams that ends the year, maybe like five and 11, but they're in a lot of games. That's kind of where I see them. Like, I don't think their record is going to be reflective of how close they're going to play their opponents, particularly in the division, but I can't see them racking up enough wins to get there. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take the under as well. I mean, I think you're going to be able to, they should stop the run better than being dead last in the league. Like last year. But big play slay is gone. Trufant's there. I mean, yeah, they might they might go with a coup to third. So you get a little closer to maybe six. But I agree with Jamie on Stafford's health as much as we love him. That offense could be scary. But offensive line is still eh at best. Yeah. They have no running game. So now you're going to stop the run a little bit better, but you should be able to throw it on them. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm still going to take the under. They're still Detroit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to imagine that this team is going to turn this around. It, it's just been so long. Um, and it's hard I, to say a team's going to win more than six games when they're by far the worst team in their division. Yeah, I, it just, I, I like Stafford so much, and it always draws me in to like, be like, yeah, Detroit could be better, but then logic kicks in, and it's like, no, no, they're not going to be better just because there's so many holes, and they just they haven't, haven't clicked in a long, long time. Uh, staying in that division, the Green Bay Packers, they're over under coming into this season is nine and a half. Uh, pretty big drop from last year, obviously, a 13 and three team, but a team that we've talked about a lot. And this isn't just a us thing. This is a collective thing. A lot of people had this as a team that overachieved last year. They won a lot of close games, um, got lucky, right? And sometimes it flips one way or the other. And this next season you come back and it's not as, as good as it was. Uh, Jamie, your thoughts on Green Bay and whether or not they get to that 10-win mark. Yes, yeah. I, I said I thought they were a 10-win team on the NFC North show, and, and upon closer inspection, I think they're a 10-win team now. Um, I think that's about right. Uh, actually, interestingly enough, doing this, like I don't think I have any team in the NFC at 12 or more wins. Uh, I think there's a lot of really solid teams that I think is going to kind of limit um, the overall total because you're seeing a lot of strong divisions that have more than a couple teams. And I think this is another one where – like I said, the Bears, I don't think they are a playoff team, but they're going to play their division really close. Minnesota and Green Bay are going to be in contention. But the Packers, the, Aaron Rodgers gives them a lot, a lot of leeway for a lot of other errors they have in this team. I'm hoping they address uh, maybe the wide receiver position, uh, pick 30 to add to Devontae Adams on the team. 
Uh, that, that defense can play well at times. They maybe they add another corner to that roster. Can Kevin King stay healthy? Alexander's an emerging star. Uh, so they have some pieces there. Uh, they were a lot more inconsistent on defense in the second half of the season. People just stopped paying attention because the narrative was how improved the defense was in the first half of the year. Uh, but this team still, to me, is the class of the division. They're not a 13-win team. They weren't a 13-win team on paper last year either, even though they technically won those games. Uh, so I think 10's about right. I think 10 is at least going to put them in the conversation for the division title. Yeah, if you ask me today on Monday, I'd say 10. Depending on how this draft goes, I'd say 11. So I'm going to take the over, feel pretty good about it. I think they are the division, division's best team. I think the defense will play better. Uh, they can rush the passer. They got good linebacker play. They got good back end play on the safeties. They definitely need some corner help. They need to stay healthy there. But Alexander is an emerging star. And I still, if they, if they go with Chenault or another guy that's good to run after the catch to go with Aaron Rodgers and play in the slot, it's going to have to play as a rookie and play well. But I, I think mm-hmm. losing Brian Balaga might be the biggest thing that makes me question. Big, big deal. Big deal. Big, big deal. deal. That makes me question getting close to this. I'm still going to say over, but I think it's, it's pretty, it's not tremendously over. It's one of those things that I've seen because I have quite a few. I, I pay attention to a lot of the writers um, that, that follow Green Bay just because I follow, obviously, the division very closely. And, and they've all been collectively like there hasn't been enough attention paid to the fact that Belaga is not going to be part of this team. Just the, the crucial part, um, especially Aaron Rodgers. Well, and Aaron Rodgers is a guy that's been injured multiple times. Like, can't be understated. Like, multiple and not small injuries, very big injuries that have kept him out for a long period of time. He's over 30. Like, not a guy that you want to mess around with taking a wrong hit and and, and hurt himself, right? That's, that's just not and – he's, and he's had multiple injuries. So, I think it's going to be interesting for Green Bay and a team to watch in the draft. A lot of discussion about what they're going to do and some, and some fun um, coming in and out of this. All right, the L.A. Rams, interesting – uh, eight and a half in Vegas. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I just do not see a scenario where this team wins nine games. I, I just, I do not see it. Not in this division, not in the NFC, but feel free to tell me I'm wrong. Jamie, I'll let you go first. I am an eight and eight. So I have the under there plus odds. Uh, again, I think they're going to be competitive, but they have a lot of flaws on this team. Starts at the quarterback position until I see it. Uh, it's a major flaw. Uh, they're not, they stay have some holes on defense, especially in the linebacking core now, uh, a little bit of safety. I, I just, to me, it's, I don't think, I think last year was kind of indicative of what this team is, where I think they have the, the, enough talent to beat up on lesser teams, but they're at best, at best, the third best team in this division. I have them as the fourth best team in this division. I, I just, I don't see it. Uh, I don't see them getting to a winning record this year. You would need to see, such massive progression from Jared Goff in order to get that. And I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I got the under as well. I, I think eight and eight is their ceiling. Uh, I can see them being six and 10, seven and nine. Again, they're going to be competitive, but they got to stay healthy to do that. That offensive line is not what it was a couple of years ago. This defense is now decimated. You got new coaches and special teams. You got a new defense coordinator. McVay, I, I've said a million times. I love, I think he can scheme it up. And if they can scheme up a team that's maybe got an injury at pass rusher and that offensive line plays well, Jared Goff can light you up still, and they got enough weapons to do that. But the girlie's gone. The running back situation is completely different. And I agree with Jamie. I think they're the worst team in the division. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, we talked about it at length on the NFC West show. All right, the Minnesota Vikings, their over-under is nine in Vegas. Jake, I'll go to you first here since you have driven the Minnesota Vikings train. You've been off the train. You've been back on the train. You've been dragged by off. the train. I got drugged behind the train. You're dragged. Yeah, you're 
yeah, you're being dragged from behind. You, I was the conductor for a little while. We're the conductor. You've moved all the spots that are available on the train. So do you think that this team uh, coming off, what was, you know, a probably career monumental victory for Kirk Cousins and the fact that he went on the road to New Orleans, got a confidence booster, right? I mean, they got their butts kicked in San Francisco, but it doesn't matter. This was a, a big win for them to go to New Orleans and take out that team that was, I think, a double-digit favorite in that game. If not, it was like at least eight points. Um, so is this a team we've talked about that had been really talented, but a lot of change this offseason, uh, specifically on the defensive side of the ball? They got significantly worse. And I don't know how draft picks are going to help immediately I mean that was the best version of what we thought we'd see from them all year was going to New Orleans we saw that up and down but not enough up I've got them right at eight and eight nine and seven I mean they can be better than that they have the tools to be better than that I have a lot of faith in Mike Zimmer that that defense a lot like Ron Rivera's will still overachieve but Limbaugh Joseph gone uh all those like they just lost a ton right I mean like you're going to be able to run on them now I think which you couldn't do at all in the past you had to throw it on them to beat them, and you could do that. But now I think you're going to be able to do a little bit of both. And I don't think they're, that's going to take them out of their game plan of wanting to run it down your throat, play really good defense, stop the run, and Kirk Cousins doesn't have to do a ton to beat you. I think he's going to have to do more with less weapons to beat you. And I just I don't know that they're capable of doing that weekend and weekend. I think they're going to be inconsistent. I've got them right on that number, but if I had to lean one way or the other, I'll take the under. Yeah, I have them at nine wins as well. Um, look, I, I look at this as, and this may be over, an oversimplification, but I, I think it'll make sense the way I'm, I'm turning it out. You talk a lot about where teams can improve. How can they improve on what they did last year? And where do they have room to grow? I don't see a lot of room for Minnesota unless you expect uh, a, just a, an, a Washington-esque season out of Kirk Cousins because Dalvin Cook was great last year. He can be great again this year. I doubt he's going to be better. Uh, I, don't, I doubt the rookie that you're going to come in is going to be better in year one than what Stephon Diggs has given you. Uh, it just production-wise. We're talking about cap and all the other stuff. But production-wise, that receiver, whether it's – again, different styles, whether it's Mims, whether it's Higgins, whether it's any of those guys there, uh, is not going to provide you the same level of production you were getting out of Stephon Diggs. Maybe there's some room if you move Adam Thielen back to the slot semi-full-time again where he's been his most productive in his career, where they kind of moved him out of that a lot last year. Maybe there's some room there. But I just that defense right now is is the secondary has been decimated and they weren't they weren't playing well last year. You know they have some really good safeties. They still have some good pieces there. But again, I don't see where the upside is going to be for this team to get back into double digit wins. So I think they're going to be competitive. They have enough talented players there. But I think nine wins and a, a wild card contention is about what the ceiling for this team is right now. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the fair assessment there, Jamie. That that nine wins is the high point for this Minnesota Vikings team this year. All right, the New Orleans Saints, 10 wins in, in Vegas. I think what Jamie said is, is ringing to be true here. There aren't many teams. It's not even sniffing that 11, 12, 13 wins like we got that New Orleans was a 13-win team and a three-seed last year, right? So there's the NFC much different when we're looking at these odds as of right now. Uh, Jamie, you see New Orleans winning 10 or more games next season. I have them pushing. Um, I, I, I'd lean, if I have to go one way, I'd lean toward the over slightly. But the, I look at their schedule, and I, I see 10 wins. Uh, this division outside of Carolina is going to be tough for them. The Falcons always play them tough. Uh, Bucks are better uh, than they were the last couple of years, so they're going to they're be very competitive games. New Orleans always has this knack for also losing games. They have no business losing at various points in the season. 
they now, I am not confident. In, Sean Payton might be, but I'm not confident in any backup plan should Drew Brees get hurt again. Uh, you're not going to get 5-0 and out of Taysom Hill in my estimation. Um, I like no. some of the things they did. I like the, the Emmanuel Sanders edition. I like some of the pieces that they have there. But uh, I think this is a 10-ish win team is currently constructed because they're playing a pretty tough schedule. Uh, and they don't have this easy, an easier path to just running through some of these teams like they've had in the past. So, again, I would lean toward the over if I have to pick a side, but this is a stay away for me. I think they're, they're 10 and 6. I couldn't agree more. I've got them as a slight over. I'll, I'll pick the over. I've got them right there at that. Um, I think teams are going to figure out how to play them, whether they got Emmanuel Sanders or not. I think everybody's going to play a lot of two-man under, try to stop the run. I don't think anybody's worried about Drew Brees going deep. And you learned a lot about Michael Thomas being moved all over the place last year. You're still not going to be able to cover him. But there's a lot of dinking and dunking to go 70, 80 yards. Now, their defense is still really solid. Their front seven's really solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, their back end, maybe not as much. But you're playing some high, potent offenses in that division. You said Atlanta always plays them well. Tampa Bay was right there with them, but turned it over like nine times in the two times they played them last year. Uh, and their defense should be a lot better. So I've got them right there. They're going to be legit. They're not a team you want to play, but I think Drew Brees is – I'm a little worried about him getting the ball down the field. When they did it last year, it was like flea flickers. It was some different stuff. You didn't see him go deep a lot. It's got to be a timing thing. It's got to come out of his hand fast. He's got to throw it as far as he can to do it. I think defense is going to see how to play them pretty early in the season, and they're going to have to – they're going to have to run it better than they ran it last year. Alvin Kamara is going to have to stay healthy. Yeah, it's it's another team that I think we're it's going to be a different time with everything that's happening with the Buccaneers in that division. I'm just I'm excited to see. I think that division has so much intrigue from top to bottom, uh, especially here with some of the win totals on what what could happen, how one team a little bit one way or the other, and and how the draft pushes these win totals um, up or down. New York Giants six and a half in Vegas as of right now. Jamie, I'll go to you first. The New York guy. Uh, six and a half, you feeling like the old Giants could get seven wins this year? I went with the under here, uh, Ooh, and I okay. went through their schedule. It, it's the, the, this, the, the NFC East is so strange because I think, as we talked about on that show, I think the, the bottom is rising a bit, but the top's still there, so it's like this weird dynamic where I think they're all going to be within like three games of each other, possibly. Um, but... I still have some concerns. The Giants have a lot of injury concerns on that team right now. Uh, I want to see what they do with the draft, uh, whether they do go with that tackle, whether they go with a guy like Isaiah Simmons, do they trade back? I think the draft's going to have a lot to do with, with uh, where this potentially could lie. Uh, I still have some concerns on the defensive side of the ball uh, for them that they just – I don't know if they're going to be able to address even with that fourth pick. Uh, and it's again, it's going to be tough because I, I look at this and there's a legit chance that they're going to win maybe only one or two divisional games. And I think at that point, it becomes really difficult to be a team that's around 500 if you're going two and four, one and five in your yeah. division, which I think is possible because I think Washington is going to be competitive this year. Um, in a different division, they probably are closer to 500. Um, but I think I, I have them going under right now, but I'm not with a not with a tremendous amount of confidence. I agree. I got them like six and ten. I think they're a year away from being at that 500, maybe a chance to get to nine wins. Uh, the division seems like it's starting to flip, and I like, like what they're building, but that defense is a lot of building blocks. If they go tackle instead of Isaiah Simmons at four, I don't think it adds that many wins. That offense should be better. Danny Dimes should be better, but now you still got giant holes all over that defense, and I don't think that defense is anywhere near good enough right now to get to six wins. 
or yeah. six plus. Yeah, they, they need a lot of help on that side of the ball. And another one of the more intriguing positions to see uh, uh, teams to see how much this win total potentially could change, depending on what they do with from a draft perspective, because they're in they're in a in that four spot, and this is probably one of the more talked about teams heading into the draft about what is going to happen there and and which direction do they decide to go. Jamie, you got something I, to I add? Can't, I can't say, Jamie, can you see anybody they draft? I mean, they did a nice job so far. We gave, we gave them a decent grade for this offseason. Can you see anybody that they draft in this draft that changes your win total? The only, the only possible – I mean, if for some crazy way Chase Young falls to them, uh, maybe. Jeff Okuda would be a great fit there, but I don't yeah. know if you're really changing their win total and if for one year over that. Um, I like Simmons there, but again, you're not changing the win total. A tackle makes sense long-term, but again, not somebody you're, you're really making a huge change at this year. To get out in front of this, because this has been circulating on social media because of talks about uh, who's done research on, on who, uh, the Giants are not taking Justin Herbert, so no. just stop this. Stop this nonsense. Um, a lot of, like, the Patriots are known for a team that, that does research on all the quarterbacks because Look where they're going to play against them. From. Yeah, yes. Every point. Yes, so that, that is Joe Judge uh, doing the due diligence that Bill Belichick has taught him, which, by the way, doesn't have to have scouting reports on guys that are going to be starting yeah, quarterbacks in your league. That's like, exactly I think right. It's, it's valuable information to have, especially now, um, where information is going to be so limited on a lot of these guys just based on the way this draft is Joe, so. I know Joe well. Joe is an absolute grinder, so he's going through everything, and he's, like, looking at the back pages and the corners of his notebooks and going, oh, yeah, yeah. might as well do this because I don't mind mm-hmm. working. There, I was going to call with this guy and see if we can get something out of it that we like. And, and to let you in on a little behind the scenes in my, in two couple of jobs ago where I'm covering the Arizona Cardinals and I'm covering Bruce Arians every day. One of the things that I learned the most from and had such an, a great opportunity to be able to talk to him about was many of the years, the Cardinals were not drafting a quarterback, but Bruce was watching all these guys. And we would talk about, and we would go back and forth and have discussions. Like if you think that they're not having, it would be a disservice to not at least have some semblance of an idea about these top guys, right? The three, four guys that everybody's talking about. If you think that a head coach and a GM in the NFL are not at least semi-dialed in, to what's going on. You just, I mean, this is just what it is. Like they, this is a, this happens across the NFL. So also I, comparing him to the guy that you have, that wasn't your guy last year. So you're watching the yeah. tape of Danny Dimes playing last exactly. year in a different offense than he's going to play in now. And what you thought of how he played yep. and how you would defend that. And then looking at all these guys who are coming out this year and rating where Danny would be against them. So like you're trying to figure out the guy that you had as well. And then if, I, I keep seeing, like, if any of these guys come available in four years, who the hell is to say Joe's going to be there in four years? Yeah, the yeah, NFL head coach is three or four years. That ain't for the next contract. But it's trying to get as much out of this process as you possibly can get. Yeah, and by the way, if you're gonna, I'd rather watch the four years of NFL tape Justin Herbert has at that point than watch what he did in college. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think you'll learn yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, that's, exa- uh, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. I'm glad you brought it up, though, Jamie, because it's been fun to watch um, – social media just lose its collective mind today about that piece of news. All right. The Philadelphia okay, Eagle. The, well, the Josh yeah. Rosen thing is not the new normal. Okay. That is a, an extremely rare scenario that we may never see again for another 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. It's not going to happen with Washington to pick two with Haskins. It's, it's, it's not happening. So it just, it, it's, we have to get that. We saw something happen so recently, but it's happened once. Yeah. Like it's, yeah not, it's not, it's not going to happen thing. again. No, not, not going to become a thing. 
No, not uh, especially when you're considering the difference between having the number one overall pick. Maybe if Washington had the opportunity to grab Joe Burrow, we should have this conversation. Or they had the cut. Like if it's different, Arizona had the number one overall pick. Like this, yeah. you're you're not even comparing exact situations. Like they also had a new head coach that wanted that's that. Exactly. There's it's I mean, exactly Tyler right. Tyler wasn't even the number one quarterback on a lot of people's boards last year. Yeah, he fit what they wanted to do. They had the first pick. They wanted to build around him. They moved up to take Rosen. They gave away draft capital to get to 10 to get to Rosen, yeah. which they had to do the year before. And they only got, what, a third back. So you're not going to see this very often. That's a great no. Yeah, it's, it's just a completely different scenario. So I'm glad you brought it up, Jamie. It was the perfect storm for Arizona to be able to do yes. that last year. Correct. Correct. Uh, listen, Philadelphia Eagles staying in this division nine and a half, their win total. Jamie, I'll go to you first here. Uh, this division, very, very interesting. You said, I think, and I agree with you that, even last year, right, the, the bottom and the top were not that – this was a division that was won at 8-8 eight and eight last year, right? Dallas and Philadelphia yeah. end the season at 8-8, eight and eight and Washington starts to play a little bit better at the end of the season, and you're looking and you're going, man, this division isn't really that much difference between top and bottom. So if the, if the total rises for all these teams and, and Philadelphia seems to be the, the cream of the crop, them and Dallas both sitting at 9.5 wins, do you have Philly hitting that 10 mark as well? This is the first one that surprised me because I went under here at nine and I'm looking back. I'm a little worried about their road schedule uh, just because I, and I think that's where it's going to be. Obviously health is going to be the biggest key for the Philadelphia Eagles. We all know that uh, they don't need to go over that again and all the plight that they had to deal with last year, but they have a lot of like what I would consider 50, 50 games on the road, which I think are going to define their season uh, where they're probably the better team, but they're a little bit more equalized there. Like let's say at Arizona, for example, it's a really interesting matchup at Cleveland, at Dallas, at Green Bay, uh, you know, at, at San Francisco. So they have kind of a tough schedule outside of that division where I think that's going to be uh, – and then at home, I mean, they get – you know, they're bringing in Baltimore at home and Seattle at home. And uh, so it, it, they're in a weird spot where I think the schedule is working more against them than it is against Dallas. And part of that's because of they finishing above Dallas in the division and facing number one teams versus number two. Um, but – uh, I think they're going to have a tough path there to get to 10, but they have the talent to be there. If they stay healthy, they're going to go over this number. So I, I, I wouldn't bet against them, but I don't know. This, this schedule has me a little bit worried for them. They're, they're playing a tougher schedule than Dallas is, and it might be enough to make that one win difference because I think both those teams are going to be neck and neck all season. Yeah, I'll take the over. I think Philly wins the division. I think Carson Wentz proved last year he can do it with nobody. I don't think they have quite the same injuries that they had last year. Biggest question I have is they have no left tackle at this point. They bring back Jason Peters for a year, great, but they have no Vitae that can swing either way if him or Lane Johnson get hurt. Uh, that, could, that could hurt them. Uh, but I think they figured out what they want to do offensively. They get some of those pieces back. They add another piece to that. This defense should be better. Secondary shouldn't be as horrendous as it was. So I'm going to take the over, basically because I think a lot of those 50-50 games are won by better quarterback play, and I love Carson Wentz. All right, moving on to NFC West teams back-to-back. -back. Start off here with the San Francisco 49ers coming off a Super Bowl appearance, right? Uh, great season for them last year. Ten and a half wins and two first-round picks. Good time to be a San Francisco 49ers fan. Jake, you have this team winning 11 games next year. I do. I'm, I'm going to go over slightly. I don't like it. I mean, that's, a, that's a high total. they got to have a lot of things fall in their favor, like health. Well, like we talked about the other day, they're deep. They're deep in a lot of places. They got to add some more playmakers. I love Kyle, and I love everything that John Lynch has got going on there. Add two more first-round picks, another solid draft. I think they're still the class of the division. I think they have a much better roster than Seattle, top to bottom. 
Russell Wilson's the X factor we talked at length about the other day, but I have them barely going over that. Uh, I have them there as well, 11 and five exactly. I, I, I tend not to like to take the over on double digit win totals just because, yeah. I mean, if you just think about it logically, there are way more things that can go wrong for a team that can, than can go right. And you're given a, a very little margin for error. Uh, but again, I just, I love how solid this team is. Uh, I mean, they, they rotate those backs like uh, Kyle rotates those backs like his dad did. Uh, where, I mean, no matter who's in the game, they're having a lot of success there. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo even just gives them the same thing they gave him last year. They're going to be extremely competitive. They're going to add to the receiver core. Uh, I, I think, you know, this, I think they're going to add a little bit to that defense. I know even though they lost Armstead, uh, I, I just think they're solid in all facets. As long as they don't get too trade happy, which I don't think it's going to get, which I don't think is going to happen on the defensive side of the ball. They're, to me, clearly the best team in the, in the NFC West. Uh, they're going to be competing for the top seed in the NFC. And uh, there's, there are not many holes on this team when healthy. Yeah, not many holes in, like I said, two first-round picks coming up here in a couple of days. So it's good, good opportunity for this team to, to get better. An already very, very good team. All right, sticking in the division, Seattle Seahawks, nine is their win total. We talked about this team, man. It's, it's, they're such a hard team to, to talk about because – Last year, I was high on this team, and I said they'd beat out, the, beat out the Rams, and I was right about that because I just have so much faith in Russell Wilson. And it's stupid, and it doesn't make any sense, and this roster shouldn't be this good, but it is what it is, and that's what you get almost each and every year with this team. This team, if Russell Wilson's healthy, is not going to be below 500. Just that's, that's not what's going to happen. So – Jake, I'll let you go first here because you were pretty strong on your on your verbiage about the roster, but you're right. But the 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 magic that is Russell Wilson is hard to quantify, especially when you're talking about over unders in Vegas. You got a four win roster with a fourteen win quarterback. I'll take the under at eight and eight. I think they're probably a nine and seven, ten and six ish team. I don't know that they're going to stay as healthy, and this defense has a long way to go before they're stopping anybody, and Russell just has to play at that level every week. And I think whether he does or doesn't play at the same level he played at last year, which is, what, 22 touchdowns before he threw a pick, I just don't see them getting that much better. The roster was okay. He played great, but he has to do that every week. And I think that still puts them right in that same spot of 9-7, and 10-6. and six. I'll take them just slightly under. Yeah, I have them right on the number. I have them nine and seven. Uh, I think that's that's going to be wild card alley. I think there's going to be a handful of teams that have that nine and seven record. Um, but it's it's as we again we talked about on the NFC West show. We keep calling back to it, but it, it's as Jake pointed out. I know we used to make that comment about Andrew Luck in Indianapolis uh, before they made some of the, a lot of the moves, but that that's what Seattle's dealing with right now. And we went in depth on what their issues are. Uh, they're they're fully expected to trade back in round one. We'll see. Uh, if they do, but, and, and that might have, that might be best for them long-term at some point, but it's not going to add a lot of help to the immediate help for impact players this year. Uh, I don't think they're bringing back Clowney. So their edge rush is going to continue to be an issue for them. Uh, they have issues in the secondary. Uh, they have, they have issues at staying healthy and holding onto the ball at running back. I still think they need another receiver on this team. So, I mean, there are, there are a lot of holes, but they have an amazing quarterback uh, that makes up for a lot of flaws. And I think they're going to be competing for that, you know, for that, I guess, maybe third wild card spot um, at, at this point for them. But this is a stay away from me. Although if you have a heavy feeling one way or the other, it's going to affect how you bet the rest of this division. Yeah. Because to me, if you're, if you're on the, nah, Seattle's dropping way off, then you're going to like the over in Arizona and San Francisco, for example. But if you think Seattle is going to be competing with San Francisco again, then you have to take the way under on Arizona or in LA because there's just no way that all those things can happen at the same time. 
Yeah. There's your land. There's your landing spot for Leonard Fournette, by the way. Totally see. I could see them giving up a fifth round pick, taking yeah. the risk, figuring out the contract stuff, whatever it is. But that's an upgrade from Chris Carson. If Leonard Fournette is motivated and stays mm-hmm. healthy, they can have a little more time for Penny to come back off the ACL. When I say it all the time, the first year you're back, you're not the same guy. But Carson can be, and he can be the 12 carry a guy to Fournette's 15 to 18. That can be a really powerful duo that don't have to both stay healthy. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense to me. That's probably a, the best landing spot that we've talked about so far. I can see Pete doing that. You also have Russell and Pete. Yeah. So you can't exactly come in there and totally be a total jag off and do whatever and fall asleep in meetings. Yeah. Not gonna, not you'll gonna be fly. gone or you won't play. Like they don't, they don't care. That's not going to fly there. So I, I think that's a pretty good landing spot for Fournette. How about a package deal? Find a way to work out in Dockway and Fournette. That would be really fun and something Seattle makes a lot of sense. So yeah. if both these guys off your hands, let's talk. Uh, I mean, yeah. I believe what they've got two second rounders yeah. as well. I mean, yep. that would be interesting. Now, now all of a sudden that, that Seattle team, that roster that we've talked about. So, so critically, that could be a, a big help for, for that team. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their win total is nine and a half in Vegas. Uh, listen, we've t- talked about Tom Brady. We talked about the upgrades to this team. We told you last year to take the over and hopefully you listened to us cause you made money. Um, Jamie, I'll go to you first. Uh, what are your thoughts and, and are you taking the over under? Probably another stay away from me. I am going nine and seven making the playoffs uh, as a wild card team. I could see them getting to 10, but I think that number is pretty spot on. Um, you know, I, you like to see that kind of stair step progression that we're going to see you start late in the season last year. I fully expect them to be a playoff team this year. Uh, but I, I think the key to betting the over here is do you think they can go minimum five and one in that division? I think it's possible. Uh, I think that's going to be the key because whether or not they can get to that double digit mark, but uh, I'm definitely not betting the under because I I think there's more, uh, unlike a lot of these teams, I think there's more room for multiple wins above the posted total than I think there's room for, I mean, unless again, I mean, Tom Brady's got hurt one year ever, Uh, but you you can never account for that sort of thing when you're not dealing with a guy that's been often injured. Um, So I'm not going to count for that. I think there's, potential progression here. I think there is a path for them to win this division. Uh, as we talked about, I'm not, I don't think the saints are a 12, 13 win team this year. Uh, and I think there's a, I have a lot more concerns, even though I think the saints at their best are better than Tampa at their best today. I think the chance that Tampa has of Tampa's like middle ground might be higher now because I have a lot more concerns about a lot of the pieces in new Orleans. Uh, I think they're a playoff team, but yeah, I think that number is, is spot on. I went back and forth between nine and 10 wins all morning. Yeah, I'm not going to pick either way because I don't do that with the Bucs. I'll just give you a little history. And if you looked at last year with the roster and as bad as that defense was the first eight weeks, they still should have won 10 games. There were a couple field goals, a really bad call in Tennessee before you even get into the fact that they were in overtime in Seattle. I mean, that was a 10 or 11 win team that just turned it over too much. You added the greatest player ever who's asked to stay healthy, yes, but now that defense has a chance to have an entire offseason and year to start where they finished last year. Also give you a little history of five years of BA in Arizona, 10, 11, 13, seven and nine, eight and eight, whatever it was with no quarterback. Uh, if Blaine Gabbert, Tom Brady does get hurt and Blaine Gabbert plays, I still think they can go eight and eight. Yeah. So I, they're going to be damn competitive because that defense is going to be really, really good. You got weapons everywhere. So they got to stay healthy like everybody else. 
I like the number is really good from Vegas. I mean, they, they don't, they're not too bad at this anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what happens if they get one of those top four guys, uh, if it bumps up a little bit, even just to 10, it'll be interesting to see yeah, what this team might have to make moves straight up to do it. I think. Yeah, I think so too, but you never know. We, it's, it's, uh, it's why we love the draft. All oh, so many. This is, this is another team though, that I could say like, if we're picking today on Monday, I think they could maybe give me half a game to make me feel more comfortable if they get that right tackle in the first round. I agree. One of their only holes, they get a a running back in the second or something that they really like that goes along with what they want to do. Now you're like, okay, they filled some holes and they got some pieces that Tom Brady likes and that you've seen him use in the past that maybe goes, okay, their two minutes going to be really good. Their end of the half is going to be really good. That's going to be more complimentary to that defense. And that protects Tom Brady with you know with one of these right tackles. They get that, I'd be like, okay, I feel a little bit better about that extra yeah. half a game if you're really close on this. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think a lot of the concern is is who is going to be that you know I, I, I one would think they have a better chance at Beckton now than they did a week ago, given on the stuff that came out. But you don't actually know that. We don't. Again, the one thing I know is that we don't know anything. All four of those <laughs> but, guys are rated by different people, totally yeah. differently, and, and all, all yeah. the way across the board. And we're starting to hear maybe people are going to start trading up to get one of those tackles. And, and it, it starts, I mean, Denver possibly trading up to get a tackle. Like, I mean, we're, there's a lot of talk out there. So seeing what to get with that pick and seeing what the running back situation is. Like, I mean, if they bring in, I mean, for fantasy-wise, and I think for need-wise, an interesting guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a very interesting guy to pair with Ronald Jones. And I've said it in every SI article that I, I can, and I, I know listeners of the show understand this because we've talked about this. They're going to give Ronald Jones every chance to succeed. If he fails, they will move on. But they're going to give he's him a not chance to fail. Succeed. But he's going to play on first and second down. He's yes. going to be even better than he was last year, which was a big step up from his first year. But he's probably not going to play in two minute. He's probably not going no, to play on third down. But a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, yeah, he will. Is going to be James White. So yes, that's a dude you damn sure want to look at from a fantasy point of view. And really, regardless if it's if it's Clyde or another guy, whoever fits that role for them, yeah. even if it's Dare who last year had a bunch of catches. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that role alone, fantasy-wise, for Tom and a team that whether if they got a minute, if they got 46 seconds, the ball on their own 25 and a timeout, they're going to try to kick a field goal. It's freaking Tom Brady with those weapons. That's the guy that's going to have, okay, boom, 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 three catches and in a, in a full-point PPR, you went, oh, yeah, okay, that was an awesome drive. They're going to be out there a lot. And if they're losing at the end of a game, it's the same, same exact role that that, that running back is going to play. All right, last one here, guys. The Washington Redskins, five and a half is the win total here. Obviously, a lot of change. Uh, new coaching staff, going to look a lot different this year. Could look a lot different after they get number two overall pick, Mr. Chase Young, who everybody and their mom is, dra- is, is locked and loaded there at the second overall pick. Jake, over under here, five and a half. I'm going to take the over. Me too. I can see him getting to six. I can see him getting to seven and nine. That front seven is going to be an absolute mother. I, they added Bradbury. Uh, or no, Bradbury went to New York, didn't he? Yeah. Who they? Yeah. They, they lost Norm. So they, they the secondary still. Fuller. Me they brought they brought in uh, Kenneth. They Fuller. brought in Kenneth. Fuller. That's what it was. Yeah. And you still got Collins. Like that defense, and it's now Ron Rivera coaching it. Like yeah. I feel good about that defense. Like they're going to be a mother to play. And that offense last year, the last three or four games, was not fun to play against. You got like 57 running backs, any of which can get it done for you. Uh, they get Trent Williams back. We talked about they kept Sheriff. I mean, it all depends on the quarterback play. But I liked what Haskins did. He grew up a little bit. And then those last three or four games, they were slinging it. They run after the catch, those young receivers. 
you're not going to want to play him. And a Ron Rivera coach, if, if, if Haskins doesn't turn it over a lot, I think they definitely get to the over on this. I think they'd be better than the Giants at that point. Yeah, and that's actually kind of – I went back and forth because I started this thinking about, oh, okay, the Giants are clearly the third best team. And then I just took a longer look and I'm like, eh, maybe not. Uh, I'm taking the over as well. I think, I think they can get to six wins. Uh, Ron Rivera's teams don't lose too many games. Uh, yeah. And, and look, there's still pieces here that you like. Like there are offensive pieces you like. I don't know if they're going to get Williams back or not or get capital for him. I, I, obviously, the best case scenario is he come back and you, you stick him at left tackle and he plays 16 games. I just don't know if that's the most likely scenario at this point. Um, but look, I, I saw enough from Haskins to at least say I'm a little optimistic about what he could provide. I need to see it over multiple games. I need to see it over the course of the season and an off season. But um, if you asked me this question before the last month of last season, uh, the answer would have been no way. Because okay. I, I mean, you didn't see a flash of anything. But you started to see it a little bit late. They have some weapons at receiver. They've got a lot of weapons at running back. They'll have to figure out the injury situations with Geis and Love and some of these guys. Uh, but they have enough pieces there. They have enough solid guys to get the job done. If Williams comes back, the line's pretty good, particularly on the left side. That defense isn't terrible. Like, that defense is actually sneaky really, really good. And I don't think people realize it. And, and it's, but you add Chase Young. We talked about with Sweat and Allen and some of those other guys you have, Payne. Uh, those other first-round pedigree guys, you're not going to want to play against that defense who's now going to be coached up by a great defensive mind in Ron Rivera. Uh, this is going to be one of those teams that uh, in a similar – different ways, but a lot like Detroit where their final records – they're going to lose more games than they win. But they're gonna, you're going to look back and go, man, they were in a lot of these games where you were kind of sweating it out if you were betting on the favorites just to take care of business. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities, particularly early in the season – to take Washington as underdog, Washington plus the points, because I think they might be uh, very underrated right now for what they can do. Yeah, I think it would be very health-dependent and very dependent on the quarterback mm-hmm. turning it over. Askins looked good, but he still turned it over in those games where he was playing yes. well. If he does that, they got no chance of getting there. If he can limit the turnovers and make those throws he was making, and they still want to make a commitment to the run, which you know Ron Rivera wants to do, and you've got enough backs to do it and an offensive line to do it, uh, then I like it. I think they can get there, and I, you're not going to want to play them. No. Are not going to want to play that defense. No, no that's it's Ron Rivera. It, that that should move the needle enough for you, especially when you if you put Chase Young in this defense and you list off the roster spots, it's going to look pretty good on that side of the football. Uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Yeah, I guess we should probably mention Ryan Kerrigan still on that team as well. We're talking yeah, about yes. all those guys in that front seven. Um, interesting, man. I mean, it's uh, you do this, and Vegas is always pretty damn good. Yeah, and you they, go, man, like six and a half to eleven. That's not a big window. I mean, you're basically saying every team can go eight and eight. Every team can go six and 10, 10 and six. Uh, so it's, it's tough. I, somebody, there's always going to be somebody that just gets it and gets on a roll. The team that stays healthy and gets hot. And there's three or four in the NFC, I think, that are capable of doing that. But I don't think there's a ton that are capable of getting hot, staying healthy, and ripping off that 12 or 13 wins. Jamie? Yeah, my big takeaway is that there seems to be a pretty solid middle class now. Uh, we're starting to see the elite basically across the board now. In the AFC, there are two teams we'll talk about uh, on our show tomorrow that are clearly going to be viewed as the highest win total, and, and a lot of people are going to pick to be in the Super Bowl. But uh, on the NFC side, there's, just, there's this kind of changing of the guard uh, a little bit, and it's been led by San Francisco going from worst to first. But we're starting to see Arizona as a team on the rise. Tampa Bay is a team on the rise. Uh, we've talked about, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see because as I have it now, I've got one, two, three, four teams for three wildcard spots at nine wins. 
uh, with whether it's the loser of the NFC, the second place team in the NFC East, Tampa, Seattle, uh, Minnesota. I mean, so it's going to be really interesting to see because I don't see a true runaway team. I don't think the Saints are going to run away with this. San Francisco has the best chance of being a runaway team, but I think um, they're going to be a better team on paper than maybe the record indicates because they're going to get brought down a little bit by having to play in that division where, again, the Rams might not be great, but I still think that worse they're, they're when healthy at 7-9. San Francisco is like now playing a first-place schedule. I mean, I think yeah. what we're going to see next year, to your point, Jamie, is there's going to be – the Washington Redskins beat the Seahawks yeah. or yeah. You know, even Carolina like beats somebody because they got to come all the way across the country and they lose. Like, I think a lot of those upper teams are going to lose a game on the road. Maybe they should have won, but they got yeah. caught. Yeah. So like to get to 13 and three is so hard. Like you're yes. basically rolling all year and you either had some injuries or you lost one here and there. You shouldn't have to get to 10 and six, 11 and five, which I think a lot of these teams we're talking about will be at you're really good, but you're going to lose one here and there. I think that the middle of that, having that bigger middle class means some of those teams are going to win some of those home games yeah. where normally you'd say, okay, San Francisco is going to Washington. They're winning that easy. Yeah. Higher I don't know middle. That that's a great matchup for them right now. Yeah. Low, less, more middle class, but also elevation of the teams at the bottom, right? The Washington yeah. Redskins, yeah. the Detroit Lions, some of these teams that we've talked about, Arizona, right? The teams that finished in last place last year that now all of a sudden you're looking at them and you're going, Eh, you're probably not. It looks like this team could win six, seven, eight games. And that makes a huge exactly. difference when you're looking across the board. I only have, again, right now, and again, I know things play out injuries are a huge factor, but right now I only have two teams in the NFC with fewer than six wins. I mean, so I think you're going to have a lot of that six to nine win teams where you always kind of have that. But again, do you want to going to Washington, going to New York, going to Chicago, going to the Rams? I mean, Going, even going, going into Atlanta, those are all teams that I have at yeah. six or seven wins, but they can beat any team in their home building. Yeah. They're good. good enough. So, yeah. like, it, it makes it difficult. I, they're, not a lot of, they're not a lot of pushovers uh, in the NFC. Like, there really aren't. There, there's not a team that, like, and I think it's good. It's good we're not seeing, at least hopefully, uh, we're not seeing a lot of these 1-15, and 2-14 teams the last couple of years where just, like, they're just completely non-competitive. Uh, so maybe we're starting to see hopefully a little bit more of the, like the Miami fight for lack of a better phrase yeah. uh, of teams that are pushing to the end. They may not be very good, but they're trying. There's just, I, I think that the whole tanking thing was a nice thing in, in that the NBA does it. So it's easy to just kind of throw it in, but it's just not realistic and it's, it's not how it works and it's not how it works in the NFL for a variety of reasons. Um, but I think that's the, the parody in the NFL is why we love the NFL because there's always an opportunity for a team that we're not talking about, i.e. the Tennessee Titans last year, to get into the AFC Championship game. That can happen each and every year, and that's why it's always fun, um, because what happens now and what happens in four months, and when we eventually preview this right before the season kicks off, we're going to go back to this and go, okay, this is what we thought then, this is what we thought after the draft, and then training camp and all this stuff is finalize and we have a better idea of the battles and this, that, and the other thing, there might be injuries and we're going to have a whole nother picture, right? So there's just, there's so many variables that can happen between now and the season that can change this, but it's fun to look at these numbers right now and see if there's anything we like. And we'll have the full weekly schedule. I mean, again, depending on yes. when some of these teams are playing these road games, you know, uh, playing in Chicago in September is a whole lot different than playing yes. in Chicago in the December. first week of December. Yeah, much. So. Trust me, it's much, much different. It's especially for those warm weather teams that are coming on the road. 
Uh, okay, Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram. You guys should follow the draftnetwork.com and at the draft network on both Twitter and Instagram. It's a big week for everybody at oh, the draft network. So is. hopefully, hopefully you're paying attention. It's, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, everybody enjoy draft week. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.